Praise the Lord. You all have 1 Samuel chapter 17? But David said to Saul, Your servant has been keeping his father's sheep. When a lion or bear came and carried off his sheep from the flock, I went after it, struck it, and rescued the sheep from its mouth. When it turned on me, I seized it by its hair, struck it, and killed it. Your servant has killed both the lion and the bear. This uncircumcised Philistine will be like one of them because he has defiled the armies of the living God. The Lord who delivered me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear will deliver me from the hand of this Philistine. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we're always careful to give you the honor, the glory, and the praise. I ask God that you would teach us what you want us to be. Show us, Lord God, that no matter what the enemy may bring our way, you are with us and no weapon formed against us shall prosper. We trust you, we love you, and give you all the honor, all the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. And amen. When I look at this verse, at first I thought, oh, man, this guy's got a lot of courage. But I, I don't really think it was, and I thought it was courage, but I don't think it was really courage. Because he said there, he said that the Lord who delivered me from the lion and delivered me from the bear will deliver me from this uncircumcised Philistine. So I had to retract that my mic. I had to retract that thought in my mind because it wasn't courage. He believed God. And believing God is beyond courage. Believing God is, is, is so much deeper. Although it does take courage, but, but it just almost, it really tastes more like a childlike, and the Bible talks about a childlike faith. You just believe. So you don't really need courage, you just need to believe like a child. I remember years ago, I used to mess with my, my nephews and nieces, and we'd have these big paintings on the wall. And like, my mom would buy them somewhere, I don't know. And they'd come, my nephews would come in. And I had them all convinced that I painted all those pictures. <laughs> they, th they just thought, why? Because kids will believe anything. And I told me, I'm an artist, they, you know, and I, and I had them all believing that. And see, that's kind of, you know, messing around with them. But really, we have to believe God like that. Just if the Word of God says it, then believe it. Why think about it? And then all of a sudden, we'll do that, and then people will think we're courageous. And it's not that we're courageous. We believe God. Because nobody wants to be a coward, right? Anybody? I remember that, that movie, um, Back to the Future. Remember that, Back to the Future? And one thing you couldn't tell that guy, McFly, you couldn't, you couldn't say, if you call him a chicken, that was it. Did you call me a chicken? All of a sudden, he's like, he was ready to throw blows. He goes, you can't, you, don't be calling me a chicken. And that's how it was. Nobody wanted to be called a coward, you know, a sissy, a shasha, right? We can, I can go on there. But we would fight. 
if somebody questioned your courage, right? Now, when you look at King David, he is synonymous with courage. And we see what courage demonstrated in the verses, his trust in God. So then I asked, for, why, did, why really did God bring the lion and the bear into David's upbringing? You know, was it because he just wanted David to see that he could take out a lion? Now, you think about it. We just read it, take out a lion, take out a bear. We're in bear country. I've seen a couple of bears. I don't know about you, but I ain't going after no bear. If it gets your dog or your cat, there it goes. That's puppy chow for that bear. I ain't touching it. You know, who's going to go after a bear? David said he took that bear and he took that lion. He went after it, which blows me away. Right? But why? See, when he was met with Goliath, he had learned from past victories. So, right? So let me say it like this. And this is really the crux of the entire message. To advance, does anybody want to advance? To advance, you need to experience victories. If you're like, if you're always in defeat, you know, you're like that one with the, that little cartoon with the black cloud following everywhere. Woe is me, won't ever make it. I'm doomed. Believe me, you're not going to do anything for God. You're, you're an agent of the devil. Really. You have to experience victories. So sometimes you're thinking, the devil's after me. No, 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 the devil ain't after you. God allowed a bear to come to you. God allowed a lion. As a matter of fact, you need a couple of lions. Some of you need like a dozen lions. You need, you need the Detroit lions, amen? You need all of them, the whole team. Why? Because you have to develop some victories to, go, to keep going forward. If you have no victory, then what do you have to lean on? So we need to understand these two encounters were not an issue of happenstance. Huh? David's encounter with the lion was ordained. David's encounter with the bear was God's plan, right? Psalms 37 and 23 and 24 reads like this. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. He delights in every detail of their lives. Though they stumble, they will never fall, for the Lord holds them by the hand. He directs the steps of the godly. Now, the criteria here is that you're godly. Now, godly doesn't mean perfect. But it means you, you, have, you have the propensity, the tendency, the desire to want to be godly. Yes. Now, some people come to church and they really don't want to be godly. They, I don't know why they come to church. But they come to church. I guess better the church than the bar. But my ideal is this. You have to have a desire to be godly. Yes. Don't just come to church to fake the funk. Well, right? Come to church because you have a desire to be godly. Amen. Amen. Does anybody want to be godly? Yes. If you have that, it says the Lord directs the steps of the godly. He doesn't direct the steps of mankind. Mankind is on their own. They do their own thing. But he does direct the steps of the godly. He, then he says, of those godly people, I love this. It said he delights in every detail. Every single detail. Everything you're going through. Everything you've been through. He delights in every detail. The good, just like he's like Clint Eastwood. The good, the bad, and the ugly. Wah, 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 right? If you know what movie I'm talking about, you can watch movies. But why a lion? And I've talked about this past, but I need to bring this up. See, the traits of a lion are very interesting. The lion is a very large cat, right? 
Some males can weigh between 300 and 500 pounds. That's a big cat. Females weigh about 260 to 400. An African lion can be 8 to 10 feet long, including the tail. Now, if a lion, you know, it's hard to imagine that because, you know, we see them on TV, but if, if one of those walked in here, that would be, we would all be running, right? That's a big cat, right? The mane is yellow and eventually it darkens. As it gets darker and darker brown, you know it's getting older and older and older. Eventually, the mane becomes dark brown. And the body, the structure of a lion is suited for hunting. Muscular back legs made for pouncing, front legs made for grabbing and knocking down prey. Strong jaws enable it to just bite into it and never let go and eat large prey. They hunt as a team. But females are the only cat that'll hunt alone. Huh? The male on their side, dominated by fear. Isaiah says in 5, verse 28, roaming, rather, rather roaring like lions, they will pounce on their prey. They will seize my people and carry them off into captivity, and no one will be there to rescue them. The Bible always, always talks about lions, how to come into you and come after you. And listen, everybody here has a lion within. Something within you. And what do lions incite? To the way they dominate, the way the male lion dominates, very simple. They incite fear. The, you know, because when you're hunting, it is not a wise thing to do to let your prey know that you're coming. But lions, when they roar, what it does, it incites fear. And the prey that pauses and stops is the one it gets to get. And see, that's how the devil does. He's a roaring lion. And why? Because he knows that inside of every one of you, there's something that makes you afraid. Something that'll paralyze you into inaction. So he's always going around roaring, and he don't know who it's going to land on until you respond to it. Hmm? But everybody has a little bit of fear, right? Tell a story about a little boy in first grade. He stood up in front of his class and he proclaimed this. When I grow up, I'm going to be a lion tamer. Huh? He's all getting bad and all the kids are looking at him like, wow. I have a lot of fierce lions and I'll walk into the cage and they'll roar. Then he paused for a moment and began to look at everybody, all his friends, all afraid. Then he goes, of course, I'll have my mommy with me. See, everybody's afraid of something, right? Fear is the tool used to paralyze its prey. And the roaring lion is the, the deliverer of fear. And again, I've, I've said all the time, you know, this insecurity or, or the, he's afraid of this or some people are afraid of money or afraid not to have money, afraid of being poor, afraid. And you have all these fears and the, the enemy, all he's doing is roaring out these fears to see who reacts. Hmm? See, the roar looks for a place to land. It doesn't know where it belongs. You let the roar know that it belongs with you. You open yourself up to the fear. See, the devil in this verse is the lion. From other verses, we know that if we resist the devil, he'll flee. So if, when you hear the roar and you resist it, the enemy will leave. But most people don't resist it. They succumb to it. 
See, the roar looks for a place to land. Are you a landing pad? Hello, somebody. Huh? So here are some common responses to the roar, in case you're wondering. And I see it all the time. I can't do it. A lion comes out, I need, oh, I can't do it. I can't do it. It's too late. I don't have an education. My education, I can't do it. What can an addict do? I don't have a, I have a medical condition. I don't have any money. I got no teethus. I got nothing to lose. Hmm? See, and all these things are just landing pads for the roar of the devil. When he hears you say, I can't do it, I, we got him. We got him. Let's come after him. We know what they're afraid of. Uh, they're not educated. Oh, we got them. Let's go after them. Let's tell them. Let's, go, let's make sure everybody calls them stupid so they don't reaffirm their fear. And they keep coming after you. Why? Because you told the enemy where to land. Hmm. See, 1 Peter 5.8 says this. Be sober. Be of sober spirit. Be on the alert. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion. Seeking someone to devour. Huh? See, the, the lion, and what happens when the roar of the lion comes out and your fear begins to come up? Lions give rise to excuses. Well, I always use this guy, and I like him. I, I named my dog. I, had a, I used to have a Bouvier. He was pretty big, about 130 pounds. Funniest thing. My, the Bouvier and my wife would always box. And he thought it was the funniest thing. He, she was mad and he was playing. He'd get on his high net leg and look at my wife eye to eye. And she'd be like, Ben, stop it, stop it. And he'd be slapping her back. They'd be like, oh, look at their boxing. I would watch him. And he was having the fun. And he was just loving it. She's yelling and screaming. We're all laughing. <laughs> but I named him Ben and I, my dog. In, verse, in 2 Samuel chapter 23, verse 20, it reads like this. Benaniah, son of Jehodiah, was a valiant fighter from Kabzeel who performed great exploits. He struck down two of Moab's best men. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and killed the lion. He struck down a huge Egyptian. Although the Egyptian had a spear in his, in his hand, Ben and I went against him with a club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and killed it with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Benaiah, son of Jehodiah, who was as famous as the three mighty men. See, many people live their lives dominated by fear. They create fierce lions in their mind. Lions that prevent them from doing what God called them to do. And, and I speak this, why? Because we're having seven life group leaders. Now, for some of them, they've done it before. But for others, this is a great step. It's a big step. This may, and I believe, is a lion and a bear for some of them. Because they they, they'll have to overcome their fear. They'll have to overcome certain things to do what they're called to do because God is putting a calling upon their lives. Mm -hmm. See, lions that prevent them, some people from doing what God's calling them to do. Now, in this story, the village near Benaiah, he would, it was being plundered by a lion. Sometimes a lion will find a weak village and would come at night and take the sheep, the goats, you know, the animals that were running around. No, don't leave your ch ch chihuahua out now because the lion will get you. Right? Right? So, but Benaiah didn't let the time because there was a problem happen. He didn't let the winner keep this village in fear. So think about it. He jumped right into a pit. 
Picture the fight between Ben, I'll call him Ben, and the lion. Has anybody, we're in Colorado, have you ever tried to walk a long distance in snow? I'm not, I'm not talking about a paved sidewalk where they, you know, you had somebody, no, I'm talking about, have you ever tried to walk in snow? That is the hardest thing to do. And I'm not talking about snow, if you have snowshoes, it's even a little better, but it's still tough. Because it drags you down, it slows you down, it makes things difficult. And then, besides that, it's cold. So it's not a comfortable situation. All right? Benaiah didn't let the environment deter his battle. So you have to understand, the enemy is not going to attack you when everything is rosy, when everything is good. In fact, more often where it becomes a burden is when things are not as good as they should be. Things are not going as you'd like them to go. You're tired. That's when the, the enemy, the lions, begin to really attack. See, when you're feeling good, you got money in the bank, you know, you're not mad at your honey, everything's cool, copacetic, your car's not broke down, your bills are paid, the, the, the lion kind of just kicks it. But when the bills ain't paid, and you're fighting with your wife, not that any of our couples ever fight with each other, I mean, that doesn't happen here, right? Huh? Or something's going down. The lion will begin to roar. What are you going to do? He jumped in to the pit. He jumped in. Instead of running from the fight, he jumped in. He didn't let the environment return him. The roar of this lion said this, don't fight me now. It's snowing, right? Common sense was it, don't fight him now. It's too hard to move around. Don't snow him. No, 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 no. You can't move. It's hard to move with the snow. Why would you fight me now? But listen, the Spirit of God would say, Lion, it's snowing, so now you can't run from me. So you got to turn it around. So if no weapon formed against you shall prosper, what are you afraid of? Get in there. But we always want to back off. Things ain't right. I can't do it. I'm not ready. I'm, and we have all these excuses that are roaring from the lion. And the Spirit of God would say, no, don't do it. Don't fall victim to that. That goes back to trusting God. We said it's courage. That's not, that's not really courage. That's saying, God, if you're with me, who could be against me? Now you're beginning to put into action what you read and what you said you believe. And everybody can believe it when you ain't got to put it to action. But when all hell's breaking loose, hello, somebody, and now it's time to put it to action, where are you at, man of God? Where are you at, woman of God? Are you listening to the roar? Or are you listening to God? Oh. Mm. See, Proverbs 22 says this. The sluggard says in verse 13, there's a line outside. Or I will be murdered in the streets. The sluggard. Who says that? Sluggard is, is, a, is a biblical term for the lazy person says. There's a line outside. See, when you respond to the line and allow the line to dictate your actions, you're acting like a sluggard. Wow. The sluggard uses the lines as his reason not to perform. Despite giving him a talent, he does nothing. If the lion now, if the lion inside you doesn't paralyze you, then lions around you will try. Because we all are internal, but how about the lions around you? Right? 
the most dangerous line of a man or woman of God are your fleshly desires. Uh oh. Huh? Too often people are spiritual on the, are focused on the spiritual. And we want to be focused on the spiritual only to fall prey to their own desires. You're focused, you're focused, that's good, but listen, your worst enemy sometimes is you. Right? And then the world around you understands the makeup of mankind. That's why marketing, the, the, you know, everything is sold by what? Sex. Why? Because you would just change the channels if you didn't see a girl in a bikini. If you see, you know, some toothless chick, ah, change the channel. But that, that's how they market you. Why? Because that's how they want to get you. Because your fleshly desires will lead you to corruption. Oh, not us. Yes, you. I'm talking to you. I know who I'm talking to. See, men being so easily stimulated by their eyes have the uncanny, uncanny stupidity to let them roam. Can I say that again? Uh-oh. Men being so easily stimulated by their eyes have the uncanny stupidity to let them roam. It is in this roaming that the enemy will try to capitalize. Hello. Hello. Huh? Perhaps influencing an unknowing woman to enter your path. Or worse, a knowing woman to enter your path. That knowing woman, also known as, you know, a.k.a. as Jezebel. Hello, somebody. Ain't no Jezebels in the house. If a Jezebel comes around, guys, take her to the top of the roof and throw her off, just like the prophet did. Amen? In the spirit. In the spirit. In the spirit. So we learned earlier, right, that only females hunt alone. Cougars? Only females hunt alone. Be careful. First Peter again says, be careful. New Living Translation. Watch out for the attacks from the devil. Your great enemy. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. See, we fight not against flesh and blood. That's what was like the, the oxymoron of this whole story here of, of the scripture. In fact, we fight not against flesh and blood, but it always seems that flesh and blood causes most of the fights. Right? Huh? People talk about you. They try to tempt you. See, if we don't fight against flesh and blood, then why are we so angry with flesh and blood? Huh? Two cars got a wreck. After the dust and the debris cleared, the two drivers got out, looked at the damage. They traded insurance information, sat down to wait for the police. One man pulled out a flask of whiskey, offered to the other guy. I can tell you that you're really shaken up by this little incident that we have. Maybe this drink will calm you down. Yeah, sure, probably. The second man gratefully, yeah, you're right, man. He took that bottle and he took a couple of belts of whiskey and he gave the flask back, you know, to the first man. Then he asked the guy, aren't you going to have some? The first man answered, not yet. I'm going to wait till after the police get here. Mm. That was a setup right there. Anybody ever been set up? We fight not against flesh and blood, but it's always flesh and blood jacking us up. Oh, these are lions. 
around you, roaring, 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 trying to get you. Huh? The devil knows he can do no harm to you. His goal is to push you into a state of sin. In a state of sin, you, then you give him room to room. I mean, room to roam. In other words, when if you flesh you flesh up with somebody and you're in sin, now the enemy has a way to get in. Huh? So we're not fighting against flesh and blood, but the enemy partners with that just to get you to sin. And and he doesn't care how anyway. There's a multitude. There's a whole sundry list of how you can sin. Right? See, this is the foothold Paul was talking about in Ephesians. Right? That foothold that he'll get in. That word foothold is topos, a spot. A large locality, a location, a position, a home, a track. Figuratively, figuratively a condition or opportunity. So don't be a topo. Yeah, if you don't know what that is, that's an inside joke what you mean, Jose. So then not only did he use a lion, then he uses a bear. A bear. The traits of a bear, bears are a little different animal because, you know, I, I still don't even understand why animals do this, but they do. They hibernate. That's a long, long sleep. The, one of the, the most uh, inter- interesting traits of a bear is the females are very protective of their cubs. You don't get around a cub. If you do, you're in trouble. If there's a cub, run, because there's a female, and if you get near a cub, you're done. You're like crispy critter. You're over. And bears only attack... When provoked, if they see you, they would much rather leave if there's no cub than attack unless you provoke them or they feel threatened. So bears are not looking for trouble. Second Samuel chapter 17. And it describes this. How a bear could be. Hushai replied to Absalom, the advice Athophel was given is not good this time. You know your father and his men, they are fighters, and as fierce as a wild bear robbed of her cubs. Now think about it, and I read that, why? Because they could have used any kind of animal for fierceness, but what they used was a, a wild bear robbed of her cubs. So when a bear comes out, it's much, in my eyes, and I see it, worse than a lion. They didn't say, you guys fought like a lion. No, no, no. He said, you fought like a wild bear robbed of her cubs. See, bears always travel alone. They weigh about 200 to 600 pounds, depending on what kind of bear. Now, the bears that you have, every one of us has a bear. Look at your neighbor. Say, you have a bear? It's those areas in your life, those areas in your life that never leave. They just hibernate. It's who you is. You know, you have certain traits that just are there. At, at no kind of psychotherapy, you could talk to Pastor Sam for a week, it ain't going to change who you is. It's down deep. And you have to know who that bear is. Like I tell my wife, I, I, you know, I've been out of the neighborhood a long time. But, you know, I've had, I have three degrees. But when I go deep down to where I'm at, I know that fella. And he hibernates. He's in there. Uh, that guy from the neighborhood, 
would, would stab you and shoot you. He's, way, he's in there somewhere. I know. He did it before. He might do it again. He's down in there. He's hibernating. See, it never leaves you. You could be saved, filled with the Holy Ghost, sanctified, laying hands on the, on the sick. They recover. But inside, who, is, who are you? Who are you? See, that's the bear you have to be careful of. Forget the devil. devil the Bible says the devil's on our feet. He's a roaring lion. I'll kick him in his teeth. But that bear, oh my goodness. I can't kick myself in the teeth. My feet won't reach. That bear. The bear inside. Huh? See, some, there's a lot of different bears, but some have a jealousy problem that's under control right now. Only for it to come out of hibernation. I'm not jealous as long as you don't talk to nobody. Hello? I'm not, I wouldn't get mad if you didn't get my face. Okay. See, we all have something hibernating. See, the enemy's preparation for you is much like that bear. The preparations are slow in coming. See, a bear, when, they, when they're getting ready to hibernate, they begin in summer. They come out of hibernating, and they start eating, right? Bears begin to gorge on foods to put on weight, Boom, get nice and fat. During this period, they can gain as much as 30 pounds per week. That's a lot of enchiladas, right? 30 pounds per week. See, and that's what happens. When the bear of you comes out, it doesn't come out like, oh, all dainty. Let me have one cup of rice. No, give me that whole big old pot. You. When the bear comes out, oh, sometimes I, 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 I think the psychological term they say, oh, he went on a binge. You ever heard that? Oh. We, knew it. we knew she was crazy from the start. Mm. So your flesh begins to feed you things when you're doing well. Right? Overindulgence. Getting you out of balance. You feed at the height of your activity. See, a lot of times, some people think they can keep the bear at bay, just stay busy, stay busy, stay busy. No, no, no. When you're, when you're staying busy, if you're not dealing with the bear, understand who the bear is, who you, who, what's happening, you have to be very wary of where that person is. At all times. Because at any time, I don't care from Billy Graham on down to this pastor, to every pastor, if we're not careful, that same bear can rise up. Hmm? It's sleeping. It ain't dead. It won't die until you die. <laughs> See, in times of plenty, the enemy of your soul plants seeds of hibernation. Planting stuff. Planting. And the enemy knows when it's time to plow. Mark 11, verse 12, reads like this. The next day as they were leaving Bethany, Jesus was hungry. Seeing the distance, in the distance, a fig tree in leaf, he went out to find if it had any fruit. When he reached it, he found nothing but leaves because it was not season for figs. Then he said to the tree, may no one ever eat from you again. And his disciples heard him say it. Now, every time I read that, I go, that's amazing. He got mad at the fig tree because it didn't give him fruit, but it wasn't in season. He wasn't supposed to have fruit. Why was Jesus doing that? Because he just was mad at fig trees? No, he did it for a very specific reason. Seasons. Jesus is not concerned with seasons. 
See, we always use it as a compliment. Well, well not my season. Oh, I'm not, in, I'm not in my season. Oh, there's a season of this. No, wait, wait, wait. Because we're, 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 we're like season-minded. You have basketball, baseball season, the boys of summer, right? Baseball season. Then you have football season coming up, you know. During the fall, we all know in football season, yeah. Right? Then basketball season, yeah. The doves are beating everybody, slapping them like redhead stepchilds. Right? Seasons. But Jesus understood that our battle was seasonless. The lion or bear can strike at any time. It's not a season. It can strike at any time. That's why you have to be sober, be on alert. Because your adversary prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Right? In, see, the, the devil is in and out of season. Right? So in the presence of God, 2 Timothy 4.1 reads like this. In the presence of God and of Christ, who will judge the living and the dead, and in view of his appearing and his kingdom, I give you this charge. Preach the word of God. Be prepared in season and out of season. You have to always be ready. That's why people say, oh, I'm tired, Pastor. I'm going to take a break. Get a break, brother. That is a hibernating bear. There is no seasons. You're getting set up. You're being set up. Our season is simply be on guard. <laughs> you better be on guard, right? See, the enemy of your soul waits for his season to attack, hoping we are ignorant of his devices. His goal is that one day he would reap a harvest of sin. That's the goal. Seasons. See, if you, you know you have a weak area, let me ask a question. Does anybody have a weak area? Raise your hand. You know that weak area? Don't feed it. Don't give it any action. Don't give it any play. I know, you know, I know my thing. You know, my, I would tell my wife, I, I don't even want to go there. Come on. Because I'll, I'll, I'll couple myself. I'm, a very, I'm very patient. I have to be patient. Because when I get to a point of anger, that's like not a good place for me. That's when people really get hurt. And I know, I go, oh, that guy's down there. So I never want to get to that point. I don't even come close to it. I don't let it. Right? Because I'm not, I'm, I know. I got too much to lose. I, I've gone too far to allow that hibernating sucker down there to come up for any other reason. For flesh and blood. Because that's the only thing that'll get it, flesh and blood. But I recognize it. I know it. It's down there. He's in there. Got to keep him in check. So you have to never feed him. If you're getting to a point where, where it's beginning to hit that area that's hibernating, you need to learn how to pull back. Don't advance. Don't try to prove your point. You try to prove your point, then you're feeding it. Sometimes it's not worth proving your point. Just pull back because you're feeding the hibernating bear in your life. Get away from him. Amen? Now, if the bear within you can't get you, then watch out for those bears around you. There are bears around you. See, bears, they make dens and burrows or caves or hollowed out trees and rock crevices. And bears can only live in your life where you give it room. Right? So if you have somebody who you relate to, Maybe you have somebody you relate to in the world, you know, your, your road dog. When you get saved, you got to cut the road dog. 
Because that, that, he'll only or she'll only stir up the old you. And it's not that, oh, you cut us from a friend. No, I'm not trying to cut you from your friend. You need to get, be strong enough to deal with your bear before you allow other bears come near you. You won't be able to bear it. <laughs> Hello, someone. Uh, that's why you must give no place to the devil. Bears can only live in your life where you give it room. Ephesians 4, as I close. In 426, it said this. We're talking about don't give room to the enemy. Look at what he says. Be angry. I can be angry. And do not sin. Don't let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. So the problem in giving a place to a hybrid issue is that when it comes out, it comes out hungry. It comes out. A bear will come out with a vengeance to feed. It's not good enough to suppress a problem. You need to kill it. And the only way to kill a bear is to starve it during good times. So if you're, you're at the best time, everything is the best, and you're doing well, which we all have those times, right? If that's happening, then you know that bear, starve it. Starve it, starve it, starve it. Because if you feed it, because everything's good, believe me, you're setting yourself up. Hmm? See, many times people run from the roar of the lion only to be trapped by an awakened bear. So the reason God chooses a lion and bear is this, and we'll start off earlier. It's not because of the lion and the bear. He has a Goliath for you. Look to your neighbor. God, get me ready for a Goliath. So the, 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 the basic question is this. If you can't handle a lion, hello, and if you can't handle a bear, how could you handle Goliath? And we're all called to be giant killers. I believe every Christian is called to be a giant killer. But because whatever reason, they're just, they're satisfied with coming to church. Listen, I am not satisfied with coming to church. I need to find me a giant to chop his head off. I need a giant. And after I get one, I want another one. Why? Because if I had a victory on my lion, I've had a victory on my bear, and I, had, I faced a couple of, uh, they weren't the big Goliaths, but I faced a couple of Goliaths. I took them out. I'm waiting for another one. Why? Because that's just what we do. We're victory average. That's just what we do. Huh? We don't come here to play church and say, hallelujah, God bless you. That's cool. That's part of the process. Listen, no, I am in the business of training giant killers. I want people to stand up and take that weapon away from the enemy and take off his head. I don't want you to just play church. I want you to be the church. Giant killers. Any giant killers in the house? We want giant killers. See, God... God will never give Goliath into your hands until you have felt the breath of a lion or a bear. So don't be afraid of those lions. Don't be afraid of that bear. It's part of God's plan. 
Amen? Because God is ordering your step. He's guiding you away. Huh? You have to trust him. It's going to be okay. I want every head bowed and every eye closed. Every head bowed, every eye closed. God speaking to giant killers. You've had a lion that's been giving you problems. You had a bear that's trying to rise up. You need to face it, grab it by its hair, and kill it. That's the answer. There's no other solution, no therapy. You need to kill it. So I'm looking for people who are willing to say, Pastor, I'm, I'm, I'm ready. I want to take my lion. I want to take my bear. I want to grab it by the hair and kill it. I want to be prepared. I want to be a giant killer. If that's you, as we sing this song, I want you to come forward that I might pray for you. The altars are open.